0: my gosh everybody warning the new york times is coming at the heartland institutes coming at justin haskins big giant hit piece here how are we ever going to survive this Eh, it's not actually that bad we're going to talk about that on today's episode of justin and donald save america before we do jump into this in our response to the new york times piece that just came out this morning um i do want to put that message out there that uh you can help grow this channel. You could help get this content, the the con—the con- the content that we put forth all the time in front of more eyes just by doing a couple of things. Very simple things. Doesn't cost you a nickel. Just hit that subscribe button. Hit that share button. Leave a comment under the video. Hit the like button. All of these things help kind of break through that big tech algorithm that prevents our content from reaching more eyes. So I just want to put that out there. But Justin, how are you doing this fine day?
1: I'm doing great. today's a great today a great day. today's a great day. I was a little bit I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit worried uh coming into it because I just didn't know uh we we got a we got a phone call from the New York Times uh, earlier in the week. And doesn't happen you, too often. doesn't happen too often. actually first they emailed they emailed uh heartlands communications director uh, slash vice president slash whatever else titles he has, Jim Lakely, and said, uh, you know, that he wanted to talk to us about this investigation that he's doing of state lawmakers and treasurers all across the country who are fighting back on ESG, environmental social governance metrics. There's basically a social credit scoring system. You and I have talked about it ad nauseum a million, billion times. Uh, It's something that we've been doing for a very long time, and that he had some questions for us. So naturally you get a little bit concerned anytime the New York times, cause they don't want to give us positive press obviously. Sure. Right? right. So that's disconcerting enough as it is. But then when we asked him, we said, okay, yeah, sure. Um, how about you just, uh, just send us, just send us the questions that you have in an email and we'll, we'll get back to you with them. And he refused. No, I don't do email interviews. That's what he said. Uh, which, is interesting because uh, and I'll and I'll get back to that uh, when we go through the story <laughs> because it seems as though he does actually take statements via email because I think he may have actually had one in the piece the very piece that he supposedly would not take any email questions for so anyway I was we were a little skeptical what does this mean right sure he also told us that he had FOIA. Freedom of Information Act. you would use the Freedom of Information Act to get access to thousands of emails. I think he says in the article somewhere 10,000 is the number he uses. Is that right? Yeah, yeah
0: 10,000. I, I think
1: it's 10,000 emails. Uh, author and reviewed
0: more than 10,000 pages of documents and 10, emails pages. while reporting okay. for this article.
1: So potentially more. So potentially 20,000. I mean, I have no idea what that <laughs> translates to, right? Because most emails or like a sentence long, but anyway, sure. uh, so we were a little bit, you know, what does that mean? And, and he had some of the emails I had written to lawmakers dealing with ESG because he literally screenshotted them and sent them to us, but then wouldn't give us the questions that he wanted and wouldn't give us all the information that he had. So again, obviously we're a little bit concerned, uh, about that. So I talked to him on the phone, had a decent conversation with him, uh Mr. Gellis, I guess his name is. Um, I call him Dave or Davey. That's how <laughs> I, I
0: was considered. just about to say you guys so, are on a first name basis. So yeah, <laughs> so me
1: and so me and Davey had a nice conversation and it was it was great. And uh I I honestly had no idea what was going to be in the piece, and the piece came out this morning. Uh this is on uh August 5th, we're talking here. And it was it was it was amazing. It was truly amazing. It was a hit piece, as we suspected. It wasn't att- just a hit piece an attempt at a on, hit piece, <laughs> right? It wasn't just a hit piece, an attempted hit piece on us or Heartland or the stuff you and I have been doing on ESG, but on a whole bunch of different players. Uh, although we are prominently featured in in uh, one section of the article in particular, um, but essentially, as uh, if you're watching us on YouTube or um, uh, another via video you'll be able to see that uh, the headline of the article is how republicans are weaponizing weaponizing is in quotes public office against climate action um how republicans are weaponizing public office against climate action a really not very good title to be totally honest with you um and what was really interesting about it is the article is basically framing this as there's this massive secret alliance slash conspiracy slash coordination of people uh in office especially state treasurers and conservative groups like the heartland institute who are trying to stop ESG and uh and other efforts related to climate action, as he would say, meaning, you know, Green New Deal type policies, regulations, big investment in, you know, solar panels and wind wind farms and all that crap, right? So first, first thing I have to say is, yeah, like, duh, of course, of course, yeah, (laughs) no shit. Oh, I shouldn't have said that probably, but you, you get the point. Like, of course, that's what's going on. Like, yeah. And everybody knows this already. Yeah. So Republicans are opposed to these big, gigantic green energy things. Like, of course they are. Uh, uh, we're fighting against ESG. Of course we are. So it's just on the surface. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, just, just the headline, you know, cause I, I know, I know how the society works and I know that like the average person just reads the headline, maybe the opening couple of paragraphs and then moves on to the next thing. And just how Republicans are weaponizing public office against climate change. Does that mean like Democrats are weaponizing public office for climate action all the time? Cause like, you know, cause it's the same thing. I, I don't understand where what? they they tried. They tried to make like the most like uh, unalarming uh, concept that you just said, yeah. like, yeah, of course we're doing this. And they tried to make it yeah. sound as like terrible as possible. Weaponizing public office like right. or you mean
1: doing their jobs? <laughs> you mean they're doing their jobs? Like they're in public office. They're trying to they're trying to promote the policies they believe in and stop the policies they don't believe in. That's their job. What do you mean Republicans are trying to weaponize public office against climate change? It's a by that logic, anytime you oppose a policy, you're wet as a as a politician, you are weaponizing your office against right. that policy like, that's <laughs> such a ridiculous way of of framing this whole thing. But you know whatever. So Davey, Yeah, that's
0: par for the course.
1: <laughs> that's par for the course. So essentially the article is incredibly long. He claims oh my gosh! Have, it's so long. Look oh, at this. it's so it's so so long. It's got to be thousands of words. It's got to be at least two thousand words. Um, and it's it, it lays out this again. It's it's supposed to be like this elaborate plot of all these players working behind the scenes to uh, push back against ESG. Now there is a movement to push back against ESG. There's no doubt about it. But the way that he frames it, as though it's like it's some secret society or it's some you know cronyist backroom awful terrible thing. When it's just yeah, it's a it's it's a policy political. Ideological movement against or, social credit scores, or that we're, we or that
0: we're, we're all getting like our marching orders from from yeah. somebody or something well, like that. We're
1: the ones giving the marching orders, according to this piece. <laughs> okay, so, good, and, good. and and at least well, we get some fairness, of the <laughs> right? And in fa- yeah, and in fairness, the fossil fuel companies are funding us. So the implication is, is that they're the ones giving us the marching orders. By the way, just so that I we can go on the record about this, because. We work for the Heartland Institute. If you just Google Heartland Institute, you'll find 50 million things talking about how the fossil fuel industry is like pulling the strings of the Heartland Institute. Donnie and I have worked here for eight years or so. Something like that. And I literally have not one time that I can remember spoken to someone who works at a fossil fuel company. (sighs) Right. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm misremembering that. I know there are people who have, in the same way that there are people who work at some left wing think tank who have talked to some solar rep person. Like that's that happens. I'm not saying it's never happened with anyone who's ever worked at Heartland, but I'm a I'm I've been pretty involved in a lot of things at Heartland, and I have never once that I can remember spoken to a fossil fuel. Like company, I don't think that's ever happened you, you in know, the it, entire time I've worked it, here. It, it,
0: Justin, who who put you up to even talking about ESG in the first place? When we started all this great reset stuff like yeah. two years ago, who put you up to that?
1: Oh, it was it well, obviously it was Exxon Mobil who <laughs> don't even like, joke.
0: A, don't even joke, they'll isolate was, that. And
1: <laughs> I know. Well, the, the the funny thing is, nobody like nobody that's l- that's the literally thing literally no one you we were and the first I. people to come up with it. <laughs> you
0: and I just talking over the phone uh, during like the lockdowns and all of that. We're just like, yeah, this great reset thing's pretty crazy. And then we started looking into it, all this ESG stuff. And then like, that's where the action, at least like from the Heartland side of it. Yeah. We've done some like ESG stuff in the past, but it's never really amounted more than just like a, you know, Heartland daily news article or something like that. All of our, all of our traction and all of the stuff, that, uh, that we have done with the Heartland Institute uh, against ESG you're you're looking at what what instigated all of that <laughs> me and Justin like that was ExxonMobil we're, we're the boogeymen underneath the, the bed apparently because what? it all stemmed from our brains so.
1: yeah wasn't it wasn't Exxon ExxonMobil I can tell you that right now wasn't any big fossil fuel company that I'm aware of that's been telling me what to say or anything. I mean and I'll gladly take their money. You know, if Exxon wants to give me money, fine with me, I'll take it. I'll take it. If a solar company wants to give me money, I'll take that money too. Because it doesn't matter who gives me money. I say what I think and no one can make me change my opinions anyway. So I don't care. George Soros, you want to give me some money? I'll take some money. I I I don't care. It doesn't matter. So this whole thing is framed. This whole article in the New York Times, this big elaborate plot that's outlined in the New York Times basically amounts to this. There are a bunch of state treasurers uh, that's mostly focused on state treasurers, but there are other state lawmakers as well working all across the country to try to stop ESG environmental, social and governance metric is a social credit scoring system. We are totally and completely opposed to it at the Heartland Institute on this channel. Uh, We have worked tirelessly for this. We have worked with major media figures on this topic. We have written articles and the biggest uh media outlets you can think of on this topic we have been everywhere you can possibly imagine talking about esg we worked with glenn beck on a new york times best-selling book called the great reset which heavily focuses on this topic it's the main part of it and so we have not hidden in any way we have openly said numerous times in fact on this channel You can find videos of us talking about all of our work with state lawmakers on this specific issue. We have been very clear what our position is, what we believe. There's no secret society. There's no elaborate coordination behind the scenes that isn't already out in the, the public sphere. We're all openly talking about it. Half the treasurers, you know, there's a bunch of treasurers, not half, but there's a bunch of treasurers he mentions on the in this article who have been on Glenn's show a million <sighs> times talking about everything they're doing with it. And he makes mention of this like this is some secret, you know, thing that nobody knows about. Well, if no one knows about it, it's because it, I admit there's a lot of people who don't know this is going on. It's not because we're trying to hide it. Right, it's because media doesn't pay that much attention to it (laughs) in the past, they are now, but they haven't in the past. That's the only reason, so yeah.
0: Like the the whole like foyering 10,000 emails and spending all the time combing through all of these emails, it's like you could have just called us up. We would, have, we would have given you the links to our website <laughs> we would have Could we would have pointed you to the uh the the video that we did on this channel talking about all the efforts across all 50 states that we're uh you know currently have like a toe in like we would have we would have sent you that man come on
1: dave without a, without a doubt on first name basis we would have sent yeah. you that stuff you don't have to yeah, foia. anytime <laughs> anytime davy anytime man and I mean, if you scroll down, if so, let's scroll down in the article, so, and ta- we'll, we'll show you where they mention the the Heartland Institute because that's oh, what applies yeah,
0: me, to us. Yeah, let me find it.
1: Um, first, let's just, maybe we should just read the very, the very, uh, start of it actually, just so that you get a sense of the, of the framing of all of this. Well,
0: this little Um, subhead is pretty great. A times investigation revealed a coordinated effort by state treasurers to use government muscle and public funds to punish companies just trying to reduce greenhouse gases. That's all they're trying (laughs) to do. (laughs) Again, if you if you're like wondering if this is just going to be an objective, you know, uh, investigative journalism piece, uh, the framing of that subhead uh, will tell you just how biased it has to be.
1: Without a doubt. So it starts off nearly two dozen Republican state treasurers around the country are working to thwart climate action on state and federal levels. They're talking about ESG here. Yeah. fighting regulations that would make clear the economic risks posed by a warming world lobbying against climate minded nominees to federal posts and using the tax dollars they control to punish companies. I love that that want to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Now uh, over the past year, uh, we'll keep going before I comment over the past year, treasurers in nearly half the United States have been coordinating tactics and talking points This is going to be a big point here, coordinating tactics and talking points. This comes from groups, to be honest, mainly from the Heartland Institute and maybe a couple of other groups meeting in private and cheering each other in public as part of a well-funded campaign to protect the fossil fuel companies that bolster their local economies. Now, that in (laughs) and of itself is a really interesting way of framing it cheering yeah. each other in public as part of a well-funded campaign well-funded as if he yeah. knows that there's lots of money involved in this because as far as i can tell there ain't a whole lot of money behind this anti-esg <laughs> yeah, stuff right. that we've been working so hard on i'm waiting well, to see well that money. Funded. well-funded well yeah to yeah. protect the fu- <laughs> and well-funded compared to the climate alarmist people pushing the opposite side of the agenda uh no, kidding. no. where they have what in seemingly infinite amounts of money on the other side. Uh, Bill McKibben's group, 350.org, notorious climate alarmist group that's been actively promoting for uh, the sort of left wing side of this issue for a very long time. Ha- they, they just ran into a whole bunch of financial problems this past year or a year before. They had because of those financial problems, they were really out in the open about how much money they had. They had tens of millions of dollars, their budget every year, tens of millions. The Harlan Institute has, you know, like say a 5 million ish dollar budget. This is all public record. Anyone go look it up somewhere around that. And, our ESG part of our Heartland Institute budget is like a, fra- a tiny fraction of that.
0: Yeah. It's run so, on like uh, uh elbow grease for the most yeah, part. So,
1: <laughs> so, I mean, right. I mean, and again, anyone that actually cares about this issue should give us money for this. Like by all means, give us money. I wish right. we had built. Let's, let's, actually,
0: it. Make it well funded. let's yeah, actually make it well-funded. Let's actually make it well-funded. Well
1: funded. But <laughs> the idea that this is some well-funded thing is, is silly. And then it says to protect the fossil fuel companies, this is not the reason why you and I do this, by the way, although I'm fine with helping fossil fuel come. It's not the reason why we're doing it to that bolster that bolster their local economies. Huh? Mm. So you're saying that the fossil fuel companies are helping the local economies and that the policymakers are trying to make sure that those companies that are using ESG to destroy the fossil fuel companies are not able to do this and this is somehow b- bad that these policymakers are doing this isn't that what they're supposed to do protect their local economies is right. this is ridiculous so and um, so is, is west virginia for example riley moore treasurer of west virginia is featured in this story really a huge opponent of esg is out here uh he's he's trying to do everything he can to protect West Virginia's economy, that somehow makes him a villain because he's not signing up for policies that would, what, destroy, you know, his economy? How does that make any sense? I mean, uh, how is that a negative thing? So he can't even, in trying to frame it, he can't even find a way to actually dishonestly do it without sort of revealing that he understands what's actually going on here. You know, he knows what's actually going on. It is bad for the economy to switch to all of these other kinds of, uh, you know, green energy things. And and w- anyway, the point is, this green is energy. there's nothing nefarious here. Even though that's how he frames this whole article, nothing right. nefarious at all. Right. So anyway, he 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 goes on to talk about Riley Moore, Treasurer of West Virginia, announced that several major banks, including Goldman Sachs, JPMorgan Chase, and Wells Fargo, would be barred from government contracts with his state because they are reducing their investments in coal, the dirtiest fossil fuel the dirtiest of all the fa- dirty fossil fuels <laughs> so what what's amazing about, so again just like i said what riley moore is trying to do is protect the state of west virginia and uh, the finances of west virginia and what he's saying is why should the taxpayers of west virginia send their public monies to financial management firms and banks that are actively saying we are going to destroy the very industries upon which your economy in West Virginia relies. He's saying that makes no sense. We are undermining ourselves. So if you want to do business in West Virginia, stop actively trying to destroy the economy of West Virginia. That is common Freaking sense. That's what that is. <laughs> it's common sense. All right. No nefarious plot here. It's common sense. So he goes on and on and on talking about all these different things and players. And again, it's thousands of words. If you want to read the article, we'll link it in the show notes, but there's a part, uh, you could just go to the, the Heartland Institute part. So you can see what all of these thousands of emails that he dug up revealed uh-huh. the secret dirty, dirty plot of the Heartland (laughs) Institute and our (laughs) secret dirty alliances with all of these various people. So he first mentions us here, the Heritage Foundation, the Heartland Institute, and the American Petroleum Institute, who I don't think I've ever spoken to once, are among the conservative groups with ties to the fossil fuel industry that have been working with the State Financial Officers Foundation and the Treasurer's. State Financial Officers Foundation is a group uh, basically right-wing dealing with treasurers and that sort of thing. And the treasurers to shape their national strategy, national strategy against ESG. Okay. So we can skip ahead to the next mention. Um, so uh, he talks about how uh, you're going to have to go up one paragraph. Uh, yep. So he says here in March, Julie Ellsworth, Oh no, sorry. Behind the treasurers in the state financial officers foundation is a complex web, a complex web. Of conservative groups linked to the fossil fuel industry, as well as some of the biggest names on Wall Street. Actually, the biggest names on Wall Street are completely opposed to us. And are that's actually right. To yeah, us.
0: that that's like, oh, that's yeah, that, so that infuriating. That's a, so that infuri- is annoying.
1: So not only that, but the fossil fuel industry. We've mentioned this before. Uh, people don't understand this. The, if you still think the fossil fuel industry is is actively trying to destroy green energy you are living in like two decades ago. Okay. seriously, Fossil fuel industry, all the big fossil fuel company. I know it's going to shock some of you who are hearing this. who don't normally listen to us. They are all in on green energy, all in on climate change policy. They are becoming more and more in that direction. They believe that's where the future is. Why? Because they believe that that's where the government money is going to go. And they believe the government regulations might destroy the fossil fuel industry someday. And so they have, put a bunch of money and a bunch of efforts into green energy stuff. So they are not really behind any nefarious plots at this point on our side of things. If anything, they're on the other side of things doing stuff or they're playing both sides, but they're not in any way like the masterminds behind anything. So it says here that uh, in March, Julie Ellsworth, the Idaho treasurer asked who is very opposed to ESG, by the way, asked, Uh, this person, I believe this Mr. Creffel's person he mentions is from the State Financial Officers Foundation, uh, to distribute a memo about the fossil fuel boycott bills to other state treasurers according to the emails that he reviewed, the thousands and thousands of emails. So the memo, which had been prepared using research from the Heartland Institute, a think tank with a history of denying climate science Mm -hmm. I like that framing denying climate science uh, is absurd and it misrepresented how banks and other financial institutions were implementing their ESG strategies. Okay. So we've been very much out in the open about this. We send lots and lots and lots and lots of materials to state lawmakers, tons of them. In fact, in fact, you want to see the ultra secret materials that we've been sending to state lawmakers. You can it's I'll, I'll send you to the dirty website where you can find all of this. It's called heartland.org. <laughs> it's on the front page of our website. There's a big giant image that says stopping ESG that Donnie made here. You can scroll down. Just look, there it is. It's been up there for months. You click on that read more button and there are, look, there they are there's there's links there's links to things that i've written about i wrote it my name's (sighs) all over these dirty things and if you scroll down key terms we've got definitions we have testimony what is like two (gasps) dozen things testimony we have a map we have a map
0: oh no look at treasure action is even a color on our map oh my this is super secret stuff are you sure we should be showing this
1: that's on the front page of our website that we've been advertising and sending out in every one of our quarterly reports which is available to the public all that stuff we've been very open we're trying to get people to understand this is what we're doing there's no secret plot there's no complex web of conservative groups it's just lots of people fighting for what they believe in i know that's hard for the new york times to Frame things honestly in that way. Look, there was even a video up there from us talking about it on this channel <laughs> right. right on that page. It's amazing. So he says, this is so he says, uh, go back to the the article there because I' don't know how it pulled up on my thing. So he says, the memo was prepared by us. Uh, and then he he uses this as an example to show how we've been misleading people. We've mm. been misleading all these lawmakers. We've been duping them with fake news uh fake anti-climate science stuff and here's the here's the proof he's got proof of it the quote comes from something that i wrote he doesn't quote me because you know i i don't know actually i thought davey and i were friends so i figured he would quote (laughs) me but he didn't quote me we talked for 20 minutes on the phone he used my materials here never quoted me so i don't know but he says here this is a quote or i say here if you're a small business owner with a gasoline-powered car, you're eventually going to be phased out of banks' portfolios, unless you switch to electric vehicles, of course. The memo said uh, that's, the memo said in a section about how banks would use ESG to force businesses to change. Mm-hmm. Then he quotes me again. Similarly, if you want to buy a house in the future that runs on natural gas, you too won't be able to get a mortgage until you put solar panels on the roof and then he summarizes his proof of opposition that th- proving these claims are false with no banks have proposed such measures period that's his evidence Hi- him saying no banks have done this okay so let's let's do a little test here i didn't i didn't tell you that i was going to do this but Uh-oh. let's let's just do this go go to go to a web browser we're going to go to a web browser you got one up already And uh, let's type in um, something like six. I think it's six largest. If I'm thinking of the article right, Uh, six largest banks, um, carbon dioxide emissions, something like that. And let's 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 see what comes up. Let's see if we can find something. All right. Okay, so um, scroll down a little ways. Let's see if we can find... Maybe it was... uh, There was one up there that I think would actually work. But let's do... um, Try a fortune. Like type fortune in the search engine, the magazine, and see if that article comes up. Because I'm pretty sure it was a fortune article. Yeah, right there. Click that. Click that one. Yep, okay. So after... just Googling this. Wells Fargo is the last of the big six banks to issue a net zero climate pledge. Now comes the hard part. Okay, scroll down. Let's just look at the introductory paragraph here. On Monday, Wells Fargo became the last of the US's six largest banks to commit to a carbon neutral future. Pledging that all the bank's operations, including projects and companies it finances, will achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Climate change is one of the most urgent environmental and social issues of our time, and Wells Fargo is committed to aligning our activities to support the goals of the Paris Agreement and to helping transition to a net zero carbon economy. Wells Fargo CEO Charlie Scharf said in a statement, Okay, and then it says what the announcement from Wells Fargo comes a week after Goldman Sachs and Citigroup made similar pledges. Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley have all published net zero goals over the past six months to align their operations with the targets of the Paris Agreement. Okay, so let's go back to the supposedly false statements that I made. If you're a small business owner with a gasoline-powered car, you're eventually going to be phased out of banks' portfolios unless you switch to electric vehicles, of course. How? Now, as we just read, all of the major banks, and there are many more too, those are just the six largest, many other banks too in the United States have all said they're going to have net zero carbon dioxide emissions. Now, here's your test. A gasoline-powered car, does it? True or false? Does a gasoline-powered car produce carbon dioxide emissions?
0: I might have to Google it, but I'm thinking yes.
1: Yes. Okay. The second statement I made. Similarly, if you want to buy a house in the future that runs on natural gas, you too won't be able to get a mortgage until you put solar panels on the roof. All right. Does natural gas, does using natural gas produce carbon dioxide emissions?
0: Less than other fossil fuels, but yes.
1: Yes. Okay, so if we're going to have no carbon dioxide emissions in our financing, I know this is really, really hard stuff, and gasoline-powered cars produces carbon dioxide emissions, and natural gas in your home produces carbon dioxide emissions, then if you're going to take these promises from these banks seriously, then yes, you will not be able to use a gasoline-powered car or get a home that runs on natural gas. How is anything that I just said false in any way? In fact, he says no banks have proposed such measures. No, actually, the measures they've proposed are much more sweeping than what I said here. (laughs) They are going to get rid of all carbon dioxide emissions, not just the ones from cars and from natural gas in your home. All of them, every single kind, they're all going to be gone. That's the whole plan. And I could give you a million other examples. We don't need to do that because that one that we just did proves my point entirely. We did it in all of a few minutes. But if anyone is interested in looking up the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, which is full, I've got $130 trillion of wealth behind it. Every major bank, financial institution, insurance company, investment management group, that is almost all of them. Uh, of the big players are have already signed up for that, and they have all pledged to go net zero. All right. of them. Right. That means you can't have a gasoline powered car. It means you can't have a home with natural gas that's funded by those things. Not possible. So, if anything, yeah. he's underplaying what the truth is, and he's saying that well, the, the the examples I give here are false. They're not false. They're true, and it's even worse than what he's described here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is the contention here like you you? you... Tell me what you think about this is the contention of highlighting these two statements like an effort to to make it seem ridiculous that these restrictions would be so granular that like a small business owner in his car, you know, would be affected by all of these things is like preposterous. Like, is that what he's going for? Because Uh, the, the reality of it, the reality of it is that like like these two things are like micro examples of a much larger thing. That's like, if you are involved in the, in any, in any way with like fossil fuels, like your, your uh, ability to get uh, loans or funding or anything like that from banks or whatever, financial uh, tools is going to be completely eliminated. Like that's the more important part here, but no, they're focusing on these like two sentences in an effort to make it seem like it's crazy. Yeah. Is, that what, is that what he's doing here?
1: I, I think it's possible. I think it's also possible that what he really desperately wanted to do was find lies and use that as like an example. And so what he did was he picked examples, hypothetical examples that I was using to say, if we're gonna take these people seriously, here's what this means. Here are sure. examples. Remember, he's taking this out of a massive, I I think the actual memo that he's quoting from here that I wrote is like, you know, a couple thousand words long or something. It's really long. And he's taking these examples out and he's saying, oh, wait a minute. No bank has said that they're going to do this specific thing. And technically, yeah, I don't know if any of these banks have said, we're not going to give loans to gasoline powered cars. They don't need to say that because they've said they're going to go net zero on carbon dioxide emissions throughout their entire business. So if you're including lending, so if you're saying we're not going to have any CO2 emissions associated with our lending practices, then by necessity, you cannot have a gasoline powered car financed by that financial institution. It, it's, it, it's not possible. So I think he was trying to, to show that we're lying uh, in a very dishonest way, because presumably he read the rest of the memo, so he knows the arguments that I'm making, and he just decided, eh, whatever. uh, No bank has said that. No bank said that you're going to have to have an electric car. No one said that. No, no, you're right. They didn't say that specific thing. They said something much broader than that. And the logical conclusion of that, those broader statements are that you have to have an electric car. There's no, or no car at all. I guess you could ride around a bicycle if you want, as long as it doesn't (laughs) have some kind of gas motor on it too. I mean, that's, it was, it's just so infuriating. So this is the big scandal, guys. Right. This is the scandal. The Heartland yeah. Institute. Oh, yeah. I forgot this part. The Heartland Institute has also worked to amplify the treasurer's message and connect them with influential conservative media personalities, including Glenn Beck, a record show. Oh, records,
0: records show. You know what God. else? Do you know what else shows it? You don't even have to go to the records, you don't have to go to the FOIA emails. Do you know what else shows it? The front cover of Glenn Beck's latest book co-authored by justin haskins where we talk about all of this stuff and implications of all this esg stuff in here it's right here the records don't show it reality shows it
1: it's it's (laughs) amazing i literally have the two books behind me (laughs) from glenn Beck that we worked on they're right they're by me it's it's like again there's no secret plot going on here there's nothing crazy happening
0: seriously after reading through this well actually there's there's one other thing because i was you know this is like uh super huge right so did you read this section justin i'm very curious about this
1: uh i i I, I, kind of i scanned it but i didn't read that part
0: so this has to do with uh this uh nominee right to the biden administration Saul right. Amarova. Sali, I don't know. And um, she was going to be what? Like the uh, something of currency secretary? The, of currency she, she's going to be the head
1: of the office of the controller of the currency, the OCC.
0: Right. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure that you were like the first person to like... Start looking into her and finding all of this stuff about her and how she's like, uh, uh, you know, connected to to all of these different things that are somewhat associated with the Great Reset or whatever. I forget exactly what the details were, but you were like the first person to kind of highlight all of this stuff. And one of the first for sure. And then, well, there was a couple of other things, but some of those other things I remember talking to you about. Some of the other articles that were coming out about her were like, really? Like, this is what you're highlighting? Like, it's not even a big deal. But like your stuff was a little bit more impactful.
1: The, the the stuff that most people in the media latched onto very quickly was that she was born in the Soviet Union. Right. And that so she was and she came to America, I think, through some kind of educational thing. And then the Soviet Union collapsed while she was here, if I'm remembering the story right. Something like that. And so she was she was literally a getting educated in the Soviet from the Soviet Union. She has a degree from like Moscow State University or something like that. And so the focus was very much on Soviet educated Saleh Amarova. Yeah. You know, it was that kind of stuff. Right. Um and you and I really, were like, mm, you know, whatever. Yeah, w- whatever. I mean, so what? There were many, there were many other things in there that were the things that I highlighted, if I remember right, were that she essentially wanted to um create the ability Well, she wanted to create a whole new like wing of the government, basically that would take over banking, like yes. all banking. Right. And, um, you, th- they would decide where money goes and how money is spent and, and all, and all sorts of things like that. All you have to do is, is Google her name, Salia Marova, and you can find all yeah. kinds of things, but there was a golden share, uh, uh policy in particular. That was really interesting. The idea was that, yeah, we still have shareholders. We still have companies that have shares. You know, we're not going to get rid of that. But there'll be this, what she called golden share, which is this uh, set of policies that essentially gives the government the ability or a bank or something, the, uh, like a central bank. Um, I can't remember what it was exactly. I think it was this new agency she was creating. It would give them the ability to to basically make the company do whatever they want. Like, yeah, you guys, the shareholders all have votes, but we have a special vote that gives right. us the ability to force companies to do anything we desire. It, so yeah. it's like a total takeover of the entire like, right. corporate and, economy.
0: And if I recall correctly, you were like the first and probably only person that was really like highlighting that. And, you know, uh, I, I'm sure Glenn Beck talked about it in response to your Definitely article all, about it and all and whatever. Right. And it's like so, again, similar question to what I had to you before.
1: Who put you up
0: to writing that article?
1: Well, uh, it was it was Exxon Mobil. Oh wait, no, sorry. It was, <laughs> I know I'm going to get us into so much trouble. It was not ExxonMobil. It was no one, no one, no one.
0: Right, no one. No one. No one. And, and no one. it's 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 so funny because like I like credit you as being like the person that uh, actually like took down this lady's nomination more so than any of the other articles that like highlighted her, the fact that she she lived in the Soviet union and whatever, like to me, none of that mattered. The stuff that you highlighted really mattered. So it's like, again, like these, these boogeymen that are pulling the strings. uh, uh, That's Justin. (laughs) That's the guy that's on these episodes.
1: (laughs) So, (laughs) so I, I, so I appreciate that. I, I think, I think that there's, you know, obviously, there's a lot of people that that were digging up stuff on her. I, I was definitely one of the early ones pulling some very interesting things. There were other people doing it as well, but yes, uh, without a doubt, the work that Heartland, uh, myself, y- y- you, others at Heartland, have done on this and other issues have had a major impact on public policy, no doubt about it. And that's why the New York Times is is writing articles about this trying and, to suggest that this is some, you know, secret plot because they know that we are effective on this. There's no doubt about that whatsoever.
0: Well, and and that's kind of the final point that like I want to really highlight about all of this. Is like this article, especially reading through and and seeing, you know, obviously we we went into this uh, knowing that it was going to be framed as some type of hit piece against our action whatever. After like reading through it, my uh, my kind of takeaway was like I actually kind of feel flattered by this <laughs> by this it's like it's just highlighting the fact that we are so effective so effective that it got the New York Times uh kind of scrambling around our stuff to see what's going on like I feel yeah. flattered what about you
1: yeah yeah I mean I remember when um you know it's it's funny uh, you, you and I talk about this a, 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 not all the time but every once in a while when something like this happens you and I talk about how amazing it is that we a lot of these things, concepts, really very few people knew about, and the ones that did know about it were not focused on it in the same way that we were ESG and other other things. They were more focused on it being sort of a a bad investment uh, thing, and, and and more on the investment side of it, not yeah. so much on the on the control on society part like of it, which is the implications
0: of it, right? right?
1: Which is the part that you and I really latched on with the Great Reset stuff. Ever since the Great Reset thing happened what has really surprised me and um, and is really incredible is that you and I have a, come up with these ideas from reading, doing this research, original uh, research, and studying these issues and putting these pieces together. And when we started, we really weren't sure if anyone would listen or care or notice and and, you know, Glenn Beck was the first one major media figure to really start paying attention to these kinds of things because we talked to him about it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we've got a clip of him somewhere where we're talking about ESG. I'm on the show talking to him about ESG, and he literally says something like, I've never heard of this before. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing. Glenn is super right. into this kind of stuff, and he had never heard of it. And that's no – he- no one had heard no. of it. You and I hadn't even that heard of the, it prior to their- – th-
0: their biggest uh, things that yeah. were benefiting them is their ability to fly under the radar with all of this.
1: Exactly. And so since then, you know, you and I have, I don't want to say mastermind a lot of this, but kind of have yeah, in a way that is pretty amazing because we're not super rich guys. We're not you know we're well connected in a way now, but we really historically aren't. No, <laughs> well and those connected. and those
0: connections again are the result of elbow grease. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not yeah. Like we're born into some type of uh, you no. know situation where my uncle is Glenn Beck or something. No, like
1: not not at not at all. I mean we we have a lot of things had to go right for for us to get to where we were before. But I I remember saying early on like one of the pipe dreams that we had when we first started fighting back against this was if we could somehow get a presidential candidate to latch onto this issue, yeah. that would make, that would really, people would start to pay attention to it. And last week, was it last week that, that happened or this week? About No, I think it was about know. a week ago, about a week ago, uh, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida came out with a proposal to fight back against ESG you working with legislators who have worked with the Heartland Institute on this issue, using some of the very research that this per that, that the New York Times is lamenting that these lawmakers are getting. And Ron DeSantis is probably one of three people who is likely to be president of the United States right. in 2025. And 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 that's that's how it looks right now, anyway. And that all started from you and I just having phone calls and, right. and it really did emerge into that. And it's not to pat us on the back. Like this is oh, we're just, you know, the smartest no, people ever. No, but it's, but it's like, this is this, you know, when I tell people when we've done speeches and stuff and we talk to people and it's like, well, what can, what can I do? A lot of these problems feel like they're too big. The truth is there are a lot of things that people can do. Go discover the truth. Talk to other people about what's going on. Be part of the movement to stop these things. Maybe you you don't know Glenn Beck. You're not writing books. I, I understand that. You don't have the connections with Fox News and everything. I, I get it. But you can still talk to people in your own life. You can still get that information to other influential people. Uh, who might be able to do something with it, or write your state lawmakers, or tell and tell them what you think of these things, and give them information you might have found. There's a lot of things that you can still do to make a difference, and um, that's what we did. That's how it started out for us. We weren't anything special, and now we have now we have the New York Times hunting down, you know, thousands of emails trying to figure out how this whole thing happened. It's like I'll I'll tell him how it happened. All he has to do, Davy, all Davey has to do is call me back up. I'll tell him the whole story of how it all happened from the beginning. He won't believe silly. it. Right. Davy won't believe it. He, he, I'm sure he'll think that somehow some fossil fuel company is the real one that gave us the secret talking points that came up with this. It really did not.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and one more one more one more question. Very in line with those same questions I've been uh, I've been asking you throughout this video. Who who put us up to making this video?
1: no (laughs) no one (laughs) like
0: we're we've got nobody pulling our strings here folks like this is all just uh just us like roughing it out and doing the research and doing the legwork and and doing as as much we as we can personally to get this message out there of of how insidious in nature uh esg is and the implications of this policy and how dire of a situation we really are when all of the major banks in the world are like aligning behind all of this stuff. And you've got me and Justin that are trying to punch back at it as much as possible. And we're being so successful that the New York times is writing articles about it. I find this so flattering, Justin. So
1: flattering. We've, we've, I mean, really over the past couple of weeks, it's pretty amazing. If I could go back in time to when we first started learning about ESG scores and you and I were having conversations like, how do we make this concept palatable to anybody? How, do, how will anybody care about this issue? Anyone, because it's so boring. It, on the surface, it seems boring. Yes. And on the surface, it seems like financial jargon. investment jargon. And, and it's like, who cares, right? How do we explain to people this really is a huge threat to freedom? Like, how do we do that? And we, if I told you back then that we would a year and a half or whatever, two years into the future, have a moment in time where a week would go by and the New York Times would be writing stories about the influence we're having yeah. and Ron DeSantis would be proposing legislation based in large part on the work that we had done, even if he doesn't necessarily know who we are, that's where it came from, ultimately. I would say that's that's crazy. Like, There's no way that that's gonna happen. And now it's, this is just like kind of a regular week, you know? I mean, it's a little bit special week, but it's, it's, but it's, it is, I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing that has been going on because, because we, we got out there and we, we tracked down this information and we provided it to the, to the people who had big microphones and policymakers, and we've been fighting incredibly hard to get policymakers to understand how important this is. And at this point, the people listening to the show are probably more important than we are, because at the end of the day, I think most policymakers have at least heard of this and they know it's a problem on the right. That's not the issue anymore. The issue is, is there enough pressure
0: public will, from
1: regular people to convince them that this is important enough to do something about it? Right. That's what it comes down to now. I yeah. mean, the issue's out there. The New York Times is writing about it. There's policymakers doing things on it. Is there going to be enough public pressure to get this thing across the finish line, you know, to get it into the end zone? That's, that's not really up to us. All we can do is keep telling you the truth of what's going on with this stuff and why we're so concerned about it. It's up to regular people to make that, that final push. So that laws actually are passed that will stop ESG from, eventually controlling all of society which is exactly the point of, of ESG it's a stated purpose of it.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh do you have any other last things uh you want to say about this? I think that's a pretty good way to cap off the episode there, Justin. No. All right. Well, uh one thing that you can very easily do, especially if you've listened through this video or or, or this this podcast all the way through up to this point is just hitting that like button, leaving a comment under the video hitting that subscribe button, sharing this content, all things that help break through these big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from reaching more eyes. Also, of course, you know, if you want a a nice little primer, it's not even a primer. It's like a full on encyclopedia of what the great reset is and gets into in depth and all the ESG. Obviously, there's the Glenn Beck book here, co-authored by Justin Haskins. The Great Reset, Joe Biden, and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. And also, obviously, we've done many, many videos on this topic. You can find on Stopping Socialism TV on YouTube. Also, there's StoppingSocialism.com you can go to for a whole bunch of different articles. And all of our content is shared pretty regularly across social media, whether it's Stopping Socialism or Stopping Socialism TV on Facebook. We have a Twitter account. We have a Getter account, if We have everything. You look hard enough. You will find us. Uh, Justin Haskins, where can the fine people find you?
1: At Justin T. Haskins on all the social media platforms that you can dream of.
0: (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.